So this is the Table Podcast, a place where fellowship members get together and talk about things they're listening to, reading, talking about, just kind of what's going on in the world and what's on their minds. And it sounds like what's on y'all's mind lately is Enneagram. It was a little over a year ago, and my sister was reading bullet points about an Enneagram 9, and I immediately knew that that was my number. So I identify as a 9, which is a peacemaker, and when reading about the different numbers, 9 had me at the deadly sin, which is sloth. There was no denying that this was my sort of pitfall. One of the reasons I've loved studying how being a 9 makes me who I am is that it's made me want to be more awake and alive in my marriage and as a parent, just in my everyday life. Um, I think the Enneagram really helped me to examine my own life and the way that I do things. I believe so strongly in that tool. I I would say it's been a game changer in my own life. Especially for people that I'm closest to, when I know their number, it helps me understand them more. So one of the things that the Enneagram has helped me to uncover about myself is recognizing some of my own behaviors uh, and not using the Enneagram to dismiss that behavior, but almost as an aha moment of that's why I do that. Hey, this is Katie Moore. Welcome back to the table and to our series on Enneagram. Quick caveat before we get started. We just want to remind you, we're not really trying to teach about this Enneagram thing because we are in no way authorities on the topic. And some people have given their entire lives to this subject and we are far, far from that. We're just more trying to enter into the world of fellowship members and see where it's touched their lives and been a beneficial spiritual tool for them. We of course do not think this trumps or even comes close to God's word or our relationship with the Holy Spirit in terms of importance. Enneagram is simply a tool for spiritual growth. And then finally, we just want to approach this with open hands and curiosity, way more than with confidence and knowledge. And we hope you hear that. It's been around for thousands of years, and it can show us how amazingly creative our God is and how much he wants to use each of our gifts for his glory. So just thank you for entering into this conversation with us on Enneagram. So today, we're going to talk a little about Enneagram 9s, a place very dear to my heart because of a lot of loved ones in my life. I think some people stand away from the Enneagram because they feel like they are being typed out or put into a box. But I was with a friend last night who reminded me, Enneagram's not about putting someone in a box. It's about helping someone figure out what that box is so that they can then step out of it. And I have found that very empowering for me. We are so lucky to have Claude Acho here with us. Yes, happy to be here. One of our pastors here at Fellowship. So thanks so much for being here to talk with us about Enneagram and what it is to be an Enneagram 9 and what that's looked like in your life and in your ministry. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. Um, why don't you start by telling us your story? I mean, you know, just kind of high level. Who sure. are you? What brought you to this place? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, who am I? Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, my name is Claude. Um, and you can say my last name, Acho or Acho. Yeah. Uh, which apparently is a very uh, nine thing to, to do. Yes. So I, everyone I was just is right. to clarify before we began because I've heard it both ways. And then when I went to clarify, he says he uses both, lets other people use both. There's no kind of right way to do it. He is willing to let <laughs> us handle it however we want. I was like, well, there we go. Perfect insight to do it. That's right. Maintaining the peace. Um, yeah, so um, that's my name. I grew up in uh, Seattle, north of Seattle. I uh, grew up just myself and my mom. Uh, only child, no siblings. 
Uh, never, never met my dad, talked on the phone, uh, I think once uh, when I was uh, eight or nine, something like that. Uh, so I really just grew up, uh, myself and my mom, really close relationship, uh, close uh, friendships with uh, kids through basketball that were sort of like my brothers and my family. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's how I grew up. And around uh, eight or 10, I heard the gospel, um, just at an old faithful Baptist church down the street mm -hmm. from our house, um, heard the good news and, uh, you know, by God's grace, uh, it, it was real to me, uh, mm -hmm. just the reality of my sin and God's love is greater than my sin, uh, and that being provided for me through, uh, Jesus, uh, his, uh, his person and his work. And so I became a Christian around, uh, nine or 10, um, and, you know, it was just a typical kid, um, inviting friends to church, playing hoops, um, playing video games, just loved all that. Uh, I went to college uh, in Washington State as well, studied English literature. And then a couple years into college, um, God just really sort of uh, did a work in my heart of sort of showing me that I was in a lot of ways a Christian in name, um, but not in, uh, in heart and in faith and in practice in terms of uh, actual actual following Jesus. And so that really humbled me and convicted me, but again, showed me that uh, despite my hypocrisy, despite my lack of faithfulness and obedience to him, he still loved me and still had grace for me through his son. And so that was a really pivotal time for me. And out of that, uh, God gave me a lot of new desires to, um, to read scripture, pray, uh, talk to Jesus um, through prayer, but also talk to my friends about Jesus uh, on campus. And so I started to do that and then got a, um, out of that, got interested in um, trying to dedicate my life to helping people learn about Jesus, follow Jesus, grow with Jesus. And so that's how I got introduced to pastoral ministry as a potential vocation, um, church planning as a potential vocation. And so, uh, you know, fast forward uh, a few years from that, I had finished graduate school at the same, uh, uh, at the same college uh, for English literature, uh, started interning at my local church uh, to, be, to become a pastor, did that for a few years. And then uh, I'd been married at that point. And then Kelsey and I moved to Boston from Washington State to plant a church in the city. And so before coming to fellowship, we spent five years church planning in Boston, um, which is not a, um, which is a, a wonderful city, um, really diverse city, but it's a, it's a difficult place to try to get um, a ministry off the ground. Um, but, you know, God was gracious. We learned a lot, um, saw really great things happen. Uh, the church continues to go now, which is really, really cool for us. Um, but that was the last five years before coming down to Memphis. And Felt like I was calling us towards a change, and uh, I've always loved fellowship, and things just sort of aligned, and we're really mm -hmm. glad to be here. Oh, and then I have uh, two two boys, uh, Julian, Adrian, six and four, baby girl on the way in March. Yeah, oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. that's awesome. So, when you um, look back at your life, where's the first place where you kind of see your nineness in you? Um. Well, I, I so I can think of some really funny instances um around that so and i think this is fairly true of people who are raised by immigrants but there's just a different way of being uh for um for sort of immigrant parents versus american-born parents and and in particular uh my mom is from west africa from uh, mm -hmm. cote d'ivoire because and so there's sort of a communal values that are a little bit different mm -hmm. um there's also sort of um um yeah, just sort of ways of being is just it's completely different. And there's there's these different sort of emphases of values. And so one of the funny ways that that was expressed in my childhood was that my mom would always like haggle for things at the store, mm. like 
can you, is this on sale? And I'm like, this is, I'm like, mom, this is not on sale. Why are you asking? Like it's bread or something like that. You can't ask if bread's on sale. Um, just really just things that I remember, things she does to this day. Um, but I think she does them with me now to, you know, to poke fun at me. But like as a kid, I remember some of those things. And I just remember those desires of like, uh, like, why are you creating this moment of tension? Like, why don't you just like pay for the bread, you know, or pay for my, don't ask if my sneakers are on sale or can you get a discount? Just pay for it so we can get out of here. No one looks at us, no tension, no like conflict, no like awkwardness, just Uh pay. And don't worry if you're going to save $4, like four, it's better to pay four more dollars and not have this awkwardness Mm -hmm. than for you to save $4 and for this to be this really tense, weird moment. So I do remember a lot of those like moments of kind of like haggling or bargaining and things like that that like those stood out to me as a kid and i think as i've learned more about the enneagram i've connected those dots more yeah but so much of your story it sounds like you know kind of keeping the peace and staying under the radar would not have included landing in this church and hearing the lord calling you to him and taking initiative in that was that something that was comfortable and maybe like what other people were also doing or does it feel like a place where he plucked you out of it? Yeah, I think church, so church planting um, specifically was, is, was definitely a really big challenge um, to sort of some basic tendencies I have that I think are not healthy mm-hmm. in terms of uh, church planting. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, sort of, you have to take initiative. You're stepping into things that are unknown, uncomfortable. And I think for me, as I've, I've learned a little bit more about some of my tendencies and wirings, I can, um, you know, on, on, on a, on the positive, on, on sort of the, um, the gift side, you know, I can be a mediator, um, and can bring people together that have different points of view and and build for consensus. Um, but on the negative, I can just sort of withdraw, follow the flow, go with what's easy, shut down emotionally, all all those sorts of things, which don't work for church, for church planning. Mm -hmm. And so that was a challenge for me. Um, but I think I was really uh, invigorated by the vision and the goal of that challenge, which I think um, helped uh, empower me to to step into it, knowing that, you know, the other side of this challenge is people growing with Jesus, a church uh, in a neighborhood that doesn't have a lot of churches, a church in a city that, you know, 90% of people don't know Jesus. So so there was this sort of vision and goal that, that was so compelling that... Um, you know, God enabled me to see that, hey, this is this is worth being uncomfortable for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, you know, obviously on the backside, just grew, I grew a lot and, and um, have benefited from being stretched in those ways. So when when does your relationship with Enneagram start in, in, in our little limited timeline of yeah. your time here, your time before in Boston, your time yeah. in Washington State? Yeah. So I don't think I had heard about it when I was in Washington okay. uh, State. Um and so it even came, it didn't come across your radar till Boston. Right. I think I was probably, um, maybe like 2013, 2014. It was pretty early in getting to Boston, actually. Yeah. It was like within a year. Okay. But take me back to the childhood. So yeah. what I'm hearing is like, you know, playing a lot of basketball, hanging out with your friends, all of that kind of sounds peacemaker, going with the flow. Most likely, you said you had a great relationship with your mom, but you probably were like a really good son, you know. I was a pretty good kid. Peacemaker, yeah. yeah. I mean, but also immigrant parent thing is if you're not a good kid, it's not going to work out well for you. Well, so. well said, <laughs> yes. So that moment where you go to this church, was that a stepping out of comfort zone? Or was that something 
that you could see that would be what Anon would do? Or was it another place where God was calling you out of that? Yeah, um, I never thought about it that way. Um, yeah, I think it was. Are you talking about like when I became a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was because it was, um, yeah, and I think it was a pretty clear, like there was no reason for me to do that. Right. Like, there wasn't a That's way what I think why I'm attention. so intrigued. Yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely, um, not a planned thing, not something I was pushed towards doing. Mm-hmm. My mom was a little bit reluctant. She's was like, she do you really? really understand this? Do you know what this means? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so I definitely look at that as, um, you know, obviously God orchestrating that. And, yeah. but yeah, that was not sort of my prerogative to like try to gain attention in some sort of way like that. Yeah. And that wouldn't have been normal for me to, to, uh, want to stand out in that arena or in that way. Well, I just think there's a lot of nines in my life who, um, you know, know the Lord very deeply and have a great relationship with him and then hit a point in their Enneagram journey and in learning about themselves where they looked up and said, oh dear, like a lot of this has been to uh, appease other people or to not disturb anything. What does this look like if I look up and question, like really look at the Lord and push him on things and push back? And I just found it interesting that you're nine, but way early you know, clearly before you knew Enneagram, but also before you really were even knowing yourself, didn't you say yeah. age nine? Yeah. Like that you were able to, something in you was saying, I want this and I'm going to push outside of my comfort boundaries for him and for yeah. this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just Yeah, that is grace. interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. It is really all God's grace. Yeah. Story. Absolutely. Um, really cool. And then English literature. Mm-hmm. How, how'd you land there and... What do you think? Yeah. I you there because you said grad school too, right? Yeah. 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 I did. I did both. Yeah. I love, um, I mean, I've always loved books and loved stories um, and I've loved writing and creative writing and those sorts of things. So that was a really big appeal for me. I think uh, actually originally I thought I would do business because that's what you would do to make money. Mm-hmm. And then took a business calculus class and was like, nope, this is yeah. not, this is not going to work for me. Um, and, you know, my wife is uh, brilliant and wonderful at uh, math and STEM science and stuff like that, but not, not me. So I took that business calculus class and there was a good harsh realization that like, I can't, that's not the way mm-hmm. I think. And this would be really difficult for me. And so uh, out of that, I was like, well, what do I like? And what am I sort of mm-hmm. good at? So I was like, mm-hmm. why would I not just do something that I like? And yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when you did uh, meet this tool, Enneagram in your Boston and um, start to look at it and self-type as a nine, what kind of aha moments did you have? There were a lot. I mean, it made a lot of it made a lot of sense to me. Um, it made a lot of sense in terms of sort of um, what what that looks like at its best, and sort of what it can look like in in times when um, a person myself is not operating out of you know kind of a healthy abiding in Jesus and um, you know security and, and the Father's love. So it made a lot of sense. The idea of sort of a kind of withdrawal, a sort of uh, a sort of slothfulness of like, man, I just don't want to really do anything or like a sort of a mental, spiritual distraction. Um, all that stuff made immediate sense. And it was funny to talk about it with Kelsey, my wife, because she was like, oh my goodness, this makes a lot of sense why like I can go to a task around the house and and do like 80% of it and be like, wow, that's pretty good. Like I did 80% of this. And she's like, why wouldn't you just finish it? Like, I'm like, well, that's so much better than where, where it was when I first came to it. Like, and then I'm gonna come to it later when I feel like, I don't feel like doing it right now. So I'll do it later. Um, and just stuff where she's like, wow, that, that makes sense. That's not Uh just you trying to be annoying. That's like, there's something, there's a wiring in you that, that kind of lends you towards this. So, so it made a lot of sense. I, I was fortunate, um, 
to be introduced to the Enneagram with sort of like a coach. Um, so I think the ministry is called Crosspoint Ministries mm-hmm. um, in Florida. I think it's uh, um, Jim Cofield and Rich Plass. They wrote a book called The Relational Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they talk about sort of like attachment, Enneagram, and, and kind of like this holistic sort of discipleship. And so my mm-hmm. mentor, um, who I served with while I was in Washington, he had been going through that with he and his wife, and they were being kind of coached and guided by Rich. And so uh, while I, while we were about a year into church planning in Boston, my, my mentor, my, my, one of my best friends, Rob, he said, hey, our church will pay for you to do, um, to do the Enneagram with them and to talk with Rich once a month as sort of like counseling and encouragement, and he can kind of talk you through that. So, so I was really blessed um, by that generosity. And so I was able to, to take, take the Enneagram for the first time did it along with Kelsey, my wife, and then Rich talked with both of us for like an hour. And then I talked with him for usually uh, once a month for like nine months and mm. just kind of talked through things that I was feeling or different challenges we we're facing or, mm. or just sort of just catching up. And so that helped me to kind of think a little bit uh, in more self-aware terms uh, about myself. Oh man, I'm so jealous of that experience. I was really fortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you find it just as useful in your marriage as you did in ministry? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember the first thing um, that we did with talking with Rich, and we had both taken the Enneagram, and we were talking with him on speakerphone, and, and he just was just a really encouraging. Uh, he is just a really encouraging person, um, and he was like, you know. Trust your gifts. That's mm. what you need to hear. You need to mm. trust your gifts. You need to relax. And you're trying too hard. Don't mm. worry. Don't worry about what everybody's thinking. And I just remember, like, I started crying and just had to step oh, out of the room. Wow. It was just a really, um, really important message for me to hear at that time. Uh, mm. And, I mean, to the present, too, but especially at that time, it really felt mm-hmm. like uh, like I, I think I was trying to sort of be everything to everybody mm-hmm. and try to make things happen. That mm-hmm. I, That's just not my job. I'm not. I'm not the Christ. I can't do these things. And so it was really helpful for me. And it was really helpful for Kelsey as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just to just that idea of like, just trust your gifts, like, you know, depend on God and That's just trust, trust your me. gifts and just, yeah. just roll with it. It's okay. Yeah. And, uh, and don't try so hard. Yeah. And that was so simple. Um, but it was really meaningful and, and helpful. So so that was a big paradigm shift and something that we try to come sure. back to. Um, you know, repeatedly, but at that moment was was really critical. And to encourage each other. I mean, yeah. what a gift. Yeah. I'm yeah, it was great. That time with me. Yeah, it was really And one of the things that a non-soul longs to hear is you are important and you are enough and mm-hmm. of yourself and um, you matter. Yeah. Specifically matter, not just matter to the whole, but that you, Claude, are very important to a situation, a marriage, yeah. a church, or yeah. not having to prove that over and over. Right. So that's a sweet... That is sweet that the Lord let you hear it that day yeah, early yeah. on. Um, so in terms of that slothfulness that nines have the the reputation of having, you know, sloth yeah. is their animal. Yep. And um, I was intrigued by that early on because the, the, some of the nines in my life are definitely not slothful. Yeah. Um, and this one friend explained it to me where she said, you know, it's I'm, I'm usually slothful in the things that I don't want to attempt because of how they would disturb the peace. So yeah. the particular example she gave me at that time was that she was trying to decide which school her child was going to go to the next year. And she said, it's amazing. Every closet in my house is cleaned out, but that's because I'm trying so hard 
not to apply to these schools and make this decision and talk to my husband about it and ask my daughter and like not go down that route because that was going to disturb the peace. So she would just, if she could just think about cleaning the closets and tornado through cleaning out her whole house, she could protect herself from that disturbance. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that kind of what it looks like for you? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a pretty perceptive, um, perceptive take. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I've learned uh, and I'm learning to just be aware of the things that I'm sort of delaying and why I might be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, and not in a weird way where it's like, wow, I don't want to, I don't want to do this task. Like what's behind this, but in a way where it's like, I know I'm really actually like, this isn't just normal. Like I struggle with procrastinating. There's like, I'm really, I'm really trying to avoid this. Like mm-hmm. why? Or I'm mm-hmm. really doing everything instead of this thing. Like what, what's really behind that? So I think that's, um, yeah, that's certainly something that I've experienced. Um, and are those typically things that you're avoiding because they would disturb your peace? Yeah, like it's usually, it? yeah, or just disturb. Yeah, they would, they're going to be a challenge and mm-hmm. they're going to be uh, potentially upsetting for one party or all parties. Mm. Um, or and, you, and you're certain of that. Like yeah, now yeah. question that yeah, usually yeah. you know. Like it just has the, it, like it, it's pretty certain that this is going to be a really hard situation. Yeah. So I can just think of different conversations that I've known I need to have. Oh my gosh, in ministry, just, of course. Yeah, and just like, man, like instead of, instead of like stepping into it with sort of uh, um, a humble boldness and like initiative, like, okay, this is going to be hard, but this is really important. I I've, can find and have found myself trying to think, man, do I need to do this? And, and really knowing I do, but like just trying to drag my feet mm-hmm. and just really catching myself and thinking like, okay, like why, mm-hmm. why? And sort of a elevation of like, how is this going to make me feel? How are they going to react? How are they going to perceive me? So it, it brings together a lot of, I think the, a lot of kind of threads of sort of people pleasing, um, mm. avoidance of conflict, all those sorts of things I feel like have come together for me in some of those moments. And so that's um, something that I've had to try to be pretty diligent at, at pushing through. And So I love that humble boldness that you said is what your goal is to approach a difficult topic. And um, I would say that you that is a great descriptor for me of my interactions with you. There's a humble boldness about you. So to get to that point, like that's an example of you recognize something about the nine. That's not a box you're in. That's something you recognize about yourself so you can step out of it. Okay. So let's say that's something you recognize and you wanted to work on in your life. Um, Most of the things Enneagram-wise that I've tried to work on are really messy before I ever have, you know, a successful example of like a a change because I've worked Mm -hmm. on the bad habits for about 40 years. Mm -hmm. So do you have times where you can remember kind of blubbering your way through an attempt to step into a difficult thing instead of running from it that you can share with us? Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so two things that come to mind, I can think about, um, kind of stepping into like, oh, and especially in a context of, um, so when there's a context of just ministry, there's a context of life, life is full of hard conversations and difficult things, uh, church planting. So like all of those things kind of come together. Um, yeah, I can think of, um, summoning up the sort of courage and the resolve to not procrastinate or not kind of avoid a conversation that needs to happen and taking the initiative to have it, but then getting into the conversation and not being completely forthright with everything that I needed to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can 
I can look back on some of those and say like, man, like I, I was halfway there. Like I did, I did half of what the I needed 80%. to do. It was the 80%. Like, percent. Yeah. More than halfway. I give myself yeah. more credit. I was yeah. B minus, <laughs> B minus <laughs> on the way there. But there were a couple of things that, man, I, I really, I knew I needed to try to cover this or talk about this. Yeah. And, um, I just sort of pulled, I pulled back. Um, yeah. and now I need to circle back around and, and do this again because that wasn't complete and that wasn't really helpful and that wasn't what needed to happen in its whole kind yeah. of entirety. So I've definitely had those moments. Um, I think one thing that has really helped me a lot uh, has been entering into those moments and those conversations. Actually, like I will write down, mm. like these are the things that mm -hmm. I, I need to make sure. We I'm talk sorry, about I have these. to interject. I think this is so, so teachable with a teachable Enneagram moment, but I'm an Enneagram eight. And one of the things that, uh, have been blubbering my way through is overpowering from the beginning, right? Because mm -hmm. as opposed to not having the conversation, I typically tornado through the conversation. Like Got the it. unredeemed Got version it. of you would never have it. The unredeemed version of me would like take out 10 people on the way. Got it. So as I'm blubbering my way through it, you're saying you get the initiative together and you ask for the meeting and then like maybe don't put it all out there. Right. My blubbering through it is like being sweet, being kind, being, you know, being humble, hold, 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 yeah. and explode, drop yeah, the bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you walk in with bullet points to make sure you cover it all. Yeah. I walk in these days with bullet points to hold myself yeah, to what I'm trying to say. That's fascinating. And I think the teachable thing here is that we have to, the, one of the greatest ways this is a great tool for me is my assumption that everyone at a meeting feels like me. I think that's huge. So yeah. I yes. feel like to learn that you would have that same list, you and I would both need to come in with a list and that mine is to keep me to the point sane and without hurting people. And yours is to make sure you really say all that needs to be said yeah. and are harsh enough. Mm -hmm. It's such a that's powerful tool for me Yeah, just to know that about someone else mm -hmm. and to help with that empathy and to step into someone else's exactly. shoes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating just to yes. have, we're we're different yeah. just being aware of that and I, I do think it really does help like you mentioned to understand the other person across the table is maybe not feeling all the same things in the same way and like there's there's some um, awareness that is required because of that but there's also some freedom mm -hmm. um, that comes from that too of, of knowing like okay maybe this like maybe they maybe they have a little bit of a thicker skin like they, they can hear this mm -hmm. and like we can we can really talk about this and mm -hmm. and, um, and you know ultimately it just comes you know comes back I think for me in some of those is just the the, the insecurity that's sort of under all of that of like how are people going to see me how are people going to perceive me like is this mm -hmm. what is this going to jeopardize in terms of how they view me and all that stuff and so um yeah just just the practical of like I, I'll write down those things mm -hmm. I need to be uh more prayerful coming into those mm -hmm. moments to just me remind too. myself of who I am and all those me sort too. of sort of components so right. so yeah so it's been definitely certainly been a learning curve and I can definitely look back on the moments of blundering through some of that stuff and then the moments where I was like, oh, I didn't say anything. And and if I did, man, maybe maybe this would have been a little bit healthier. Yeah. If I would have said, said this sooner, you know, all, all that sort of second guessing. But um, yeah, just thankful for opportunities to grow <laughs> in, in this area. Do you have anybody in your life either here at Fellowship or maybe it's Kelsey or maybe it's a friend in your life who sees that work in you and encourages it and says like, I noticed that you were you know, a little bit more. Yeah. With yeah. I think it's, 
I think it's I'm not really, and I think it's difficult because I've had some of these stages in really different places. Mm-hmm. So I've had some of this. Um, I mean, I, I felt like um, you know, summertime in Massachusetts was just this really, really intense incubator of highs and lows and joys and pains that facilitated a lot of growth. So I think you know, in sweet some way to ways, say it was a hard time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hard, hard. The Charles Dickens going back to literature: the best of times, the worst of times, oh, yeah. right? Um, so I think some of some of my God's growth in me um, has been such that, you know, you might see me now and not pick up on as much of that yeah. that was there, you know, six sure. years ago or something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I think it'd be harder for people to affirm if they haven't had some of that whole backstory. But I, I think my wife sees it and yeah. and you know you know pass me on the back on, on that from time to time. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about anger. So you yeah. and I are both in the anger triad. So. Um, there's a fear triad, an anger triad, and a shame triad. So eights, nines, and ones are in the fear, I mean the anger triad. But nines tend to have their anger repressed. Um, is it too vague for me to ask you to talk about your relationship with anger and what it looks like? And Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, on, honestly, I haven't thought about that until, I mean, really since the Enneagram has come into the equation for me. So most of my life I haven't thought about anger um that's not really been a category and it's hard for me to think of times like when have i been really angry it's like it's really hard for me to think of Mm. times where i've been angry so i feel like i'm slow slow to sort of be in touch with my anger not in a like righteous be slow to anger sort of godly sense but in a sort of like i didn't know it was there Mm -hmm. since until a little bit later can you do you think you could um do you think sometimes you overly intellectualize it like do you think you try to talk yourself out of it or it's simply not there. Um, I think if you gave yourself space to seek out things that actually made you angry, do you think you could come up with some or not really? I think I could come up with some. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I skirt it maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. I think I could come up with some if I just sat and was sort of like, Hey, I need to journal through. When have I been angry? You know, I think, I think that stuff would come, but, um, yeah. And I, I think some of it, so I think for me, and this is partly, I think, related to sort of maintaining peace and stuff, is sort of like, if being angry about it isn't going to change anything, like, why would I be angry? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, why would I waste my time doing that? What's the point? Like, what's the point? Um, if it's just, if I'm just going to be mad, it didn't change this thing. Like, why disturb my peace and be mad over mm-hmm. something that I can't change? So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's part of it, too. Um, mm-hmm. I think I also sort of see both sides of things. So I think sure. I, I'm always like trying to like, yeah, I could sort of get why you would do that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, now trust, now I don't want to say I wouldn't get angry if you, you know, someone's rude to me, I'm going to get angry. You know, actually, no, I can think of a time I, I got angry um, and I was surprised how angry I got. We were at a, um, this was, this was within the last six months, we were at a, a birthday party and it was a, like a bowling rink place and the, the little arcade thing, uh, ate a coin <laughs> and so i went to like the the custodian guy i was like hey this thing ate my coin can i can you can i get a coin back can i yeah. get my coin back oh yeah um and he was like well you just walked into this place and i was like oh you wow. think i'm lying like you think i'm lying that i just like you think i'm not telling the truth that i really like i put a coin in this thing for my son and ate my coin he's like but I saw, I saw you you just walked in here and i like that was actually one of the times where I was really, like, I was really angry. Uh-huh. Um, and I think 
there's there's a lot of stuff there. Totally, you know, there's some totally. um, sort of like my skin, my hair, the way I dress, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I was just really, really angry yeah. um, and like had to like walk away from this person. Wow. But that's one of a few times I could think of being really angry. Yeah. Um, and I can think of other instances where like pe- people have said things along those same lines that have been worse, but I didn't get angry. But for whatever reason, so maybe I'm healthier that I actually got angry. I don't know. Yeah. But like that was a moment where I was like, okay, I was angry. Yeah. But even as you asked me, when have I been angry? It, how long did it take me to think of that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I purposely was allowing a little space to see if something came, but otherwise I was going to follow up with you in like a month yeah. and be like, did you journal and figure yeah, it out? Yeah, Because yeah. I'm pretty sure there's some stuff. How old was the son that was with you at the arcade? Uh, he was six. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if it's partially angered you as much because you feel like, you know, you've been hit with judgment and racism your whole life and like you can handle that but you love him yeah. so much you're like oh yeah. heck no we're not introducing yeah. that to him yeah. yeah i wonder if that was part of yeah. it it's interesting yeah, it be, yeah. well if you struggle to tell me kind of the things that make you angry can you tell me what brings you greatest joy um yeah um reading books i love reading books i love yeah. time like learning things uh is really enjoyable obviously my family mm-hmm. um time with my family watching my kids uh, watching my kids do things that I love and like mm-hmm. we get to share and bond over that together is really special. Really? So like watching basketball together, playing hoops together, um, you know, doing obviously like doing fun things with my wife. Um, I like watching people be really good at stuff. I think that's par- partly why I like sports. Like oh, it's really yeah. fun to see people succeed and yeah. sort of like achieve these pinnacles of like greatness. Like I really enjoy that. Um, yeah. Like time with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, time with friends that it doesn't feel like, you know, I hope these people leave my house or like, uh, you know, I hope they think I'm interesting where it's just, you know, with your friends, just, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You're just having a really good time. Um, so those things bring me, bring me a lot of joy. Um, yeah. Like talking to a friend that I hadn't seen in a while. talking to A, a lot friend. of interpersonal stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got yeah. the book aspect. Like, yeah, definitely like when it's quiet yeah. and no one bothers me and I have my own book and yeah. everyone leaves me alone. Like yeah. I like that too, but a lot of, yeah, good, good time with people. When I walked I in and you were in your office and I looked at you and you were bent over a book and there's a split second of like letting you know I was here, but then I was like, I oh, just let him have you last. Yeah. Time. Thank you. So, <laughs> but I, I wonder with your nineness, how much of that is, um, you know, just loving to see all the sides of things. Yeah. And loving the escapism into another world. Totally. You know, that yeah, disappearance. Totally. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that kind of the nines disappearing act. Yeah. Um, you know, I think disappearing is good work. I've heard people refer to it as like a numbing out or, um, but just kind of like going into this safe space that they feel is necessary in a moment. Um, is that something you experience? Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I, I think there can be a sort of, um, yeah, I think I've definitely felt emotional withdrawal at certain emotional times. Emotional withdrawal, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, like just that. of like, I'm, I'm, I always want to do what I'm required to do and do a good job of, of whatever my job is or my tasks are or whatever expectations, you know, people have for me, the things I've committed to. But I, I, I definitely can see times where there's an emotional sort of pullback mm. where like, I'm going to absolutely be the best that I can be at this, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to be fully here. Yeah. I'm not going to put myself out there in a way that like there could be a problem or we might not get along or that's going to take a lot of my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that yeah. sort of approach, like I can definitely see, you know, those, that sort of um, arc 
in, in my life. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Do you have tools for when you feel like it's necessary to snap out of that? Um, I mean, I think the, the main thing for myself is like recognizing that that's happening. Call it I out. I think is like the first, is the first thing. And yeah. I think along with some other threads that we've talked about, um, like being quicker to see that, like, oh, that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, um, as opposed to like, oh, I'm tired. It was like, am I tired? Or oh, I love that. like, am I, am I like shutting down? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, so I noticed that I was like, oh, like it's hard, like it's hard for me to do this task. Is that, is that like fatigue or is that like, am I pulling back? So mm. uh, I think being quicker to see it, um, mm-hmm. thinking about why is that, like what, what is happening. That, and is that something you learned during that year process of talking through what it was to be a nine and recognize yeah, that in yourself? Yeah, that, that certainly came out through. Sounds like a really healthy way yeah, to deal with it. Yeah, it, that's certainly, I've grown in awareness there from, yeah, talking with Rich from, I mean, I haven't read a ton on Enneagram, but just like the little bits that I've read, you know, different chapters. I usually will read just the nine chapter in a lot of books. But the, that has helped me a lot just to see like, oh, okay, that's not just me. There's actually sort of like a pattern to this. So yeah. I think that that awareness, um, I do journal some from time to time. Um, yeah. And so that'll help me sometimes too, just from like, oh, okay, like that's what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Just by like stopping a little bit, slowing down. Uh, but yeah, usually usually it's how, like it's usually the cycle of, okay, aware that this is happening. Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then how am I gonna deal with that? And hopefully those three things happen, you know, sooner each mm-hmm. time than yeah. the previous time. Yeah. I have, I feel like on my Enneagram work, I'm really good when I find it, you know, when I see it and yeah. name it, I have a really hard time when other people point it out at me. Yeah. And I'm like, look, yeah. I'm back in my comfort zone of my regular patterns. Could you just yeah. leave me here for a minute? Like, yeah. it just feels good over here. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's really cool that you can call it out in yourself. Um, you mentioned not sometimes feeling like you not, not having enough energy to deal with something. And I, I was wondering how much do you feel, where do you feel like you fill up your energy reservoirs, particularly as a nine? Like, can I, do mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, th- so one thing that was interesting to me about um, reading about Enneagram nines was the like attraction to like newness. Um, and I hadn't, I don't remember what resource that I was looking at that talked about that. Um, hmm. But that resonates with me. So I have a lot of different interests. And so I can find the like, man, I'm really getting into this new thing. I want to read everything about it. Oh, wow. Um, and sometimes that is like my intellectual curiosity. But sometimes it's like, I want to totally dive into this thing because I'm like running from this other thing. Oh, um, cool. So, so newness is part of that. Like, yeah, it can be. The yeah. novelty of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be. So like... Um, yeah, so just like, I, I mean, I have a lot of interest, but I'll like deep dive into this, this thing. Like, oh, I want to read everything about, you know, I don't know, whatever whatever it is. And um, and so just like trying to be trying to be aware of sort of, oh, what's, what's really driving that? Um, but at the same time, I can get, I can be energized by that too, yeah. if it's actually coming from yeah. the right, right sort of motive. So, um, I mean, I, I, I get energized from, I mean, again, back to that sort of time withdrawing and time with people, but I definitely get energy from, knowing that I'm the only person in the house and like I no no one's gonna interrupt me for mm. these next forty five minutes. So mm. I can I could read, I can um I could pray, I could journal, I could read a little bit of this book that I want to read. Um 
that that is really energizing for me. Um, it's really energizing when I do things that I feel comfortable, safe, competent in it. So mm-hmm. that's also really energizing. So it's a balance of both. I mean, you like the newness and the challenge yeah. things, but then you like doing things that you're good yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about nature? Lots of nines feel like they were really filled up in nature. Is there any aspect yeah, of that? Yeah, not really. That's never been a thing for me. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, that's part of God's creation, and so it's wonderful in, in that regard. Um, but I've never been, like, I want to go on a walk or go on a hike. Uh, although in Boston, I will say it was a really walkable city, so I walked a lot, and I really enjoyed that. Shoot, and like I, five months of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not for not for long, but <laughs> yeah, when it was not cold, it was nice to walk. Yes, but here I don't get to do that, so I do miss that. So oh, I wonder. I miss that so badly. Yeah, I wonder if that was actually a really helpful thing for me. Um, I'm huh. sure it was, given yeah. how many great thinkers would go on walks to get all their ideas and feel refreshed. So, yeah. so I do miss that. But yeah, I, I would say it's really that that kind of like quiet time is really Just helpful. Quiet. Yeah, and then um, feeling, doing something I feel competent in. And then also feel like belonging, belonging to a community, being around that kind of safe people, safe environment, joy, joyful people, That, that those three are, are big Felt ones. Like okay. mm-hmm. um, you've mentioned seeing other people's perspectives, um, but how else does Enneagram serve you specifically in ministry? Uh, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit ago, but I think just the realization that, that, not everybody thinks the way I think and not in terms of they believe different or something like that, but like the way they think about themselves, the things that they're afraid of, the things that give them energy, um, the way they would approach this problem, uh, the way they would approach conflict resolution. Like we all have different sets of fears and like, mm-hmm. and like ideas of, Hey, this would be a great idea. Like mm-hmm. let's just, yell it out and then hug and then we'll be fine. And other people mm-hmm. will be completely afraid to talk about anything. So I think just mm-hmm. the realization, like not everybody operates on the inside the way I, I operate, mm-hmm. which therefore means I need, I need to try to understand where they're coming from, which therefore means there's ways to apply scripture and apply the gospel to them that are going to yeah. hit their sort of core being in a, in, in a different way with the same truth, but with a little bit of a different flavor. So those, those have been really helpful for me. And also to try to think through, like, oh, okay, like I can, so not to, you want to, not that I want to type people, but I can sort of categorize in a healthy way mm-hmm. where I can say, oh, like this person's kind of coming from this. Right. That makes sense to me mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, they're just different. I mm-hmm. can actually sort of try to understand what's happening. So it's, it's been really helpful in that regard. Yeah. And I think that's something that all of our staff and teaching team would hopefully take Enneagram and, and use it to discover I think nines are a little bit more gifted naturally at seeing that. And then to be able to put words on it would be cool. I have to share a story with you this weekend. We were um, in St. Louis with the kids and we went to the Basilica at St. Louis. It's like the, I I read to them, it's a Catholic church. It's the Catholic Basilica and it, um, it's the largest mosaic in the Western hemisphere. Wow. Because the whole thing, like, Walls, floor, ceiling, it's all mosaic. It's gorgeous. Wow. So we went for a mass with them and um, we were leaving, trying to talk to the kids. They were complaining about having to be quiet and, mm-hmm. you know, how it's hard to access what's going on at church. Mm-hmm. And we were talking to them about how, what my husband and I really like about High Church and reverence and, you know, kind of how it turns your eyes to the Lord instead of to people. And, my kids just initiated, they, uh, the oldest says, um, well, you know, I can see where that's there, but I really like, you know, like fellowship. I mean, I 
actually, you know, like when Claude talks, anytime Pastor Claude talks, gosh, he's just my favorite. He's all of our favorites. Then my second pipes in. He's like, man, I love anytime Claude talks, you know. And then my third's like, which one's Claude? <laughs> and the other two, tell them which one you are. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I love that guy. And I just That's thought it was kind. such a cool picture of who you are. And I know it's like three boys. And so it's not like a very diverse population, but that all of them feel really drawn to the way you present Jesus to them. Praise God. You know? And so I just want to thank you for bringing your gifting to us and um, being open to seeing them as different receptors of what it is, what the message is that you're trying to get across. But I appreciate that. I feel like you have taught us, I have multiple other questions that we didn't touch, but you've taught us so much about, um, being a nine, the Enneagram nine today. And you're really bringing, you're bringing the good questions. I'm just, oh I'm gosh. just sharing um, how, uh, yeah, how, how they, how they landed with me. Well, good. Well, I'm going to follow up with you. I want you to do some journaling about anchor. Yeah, that would be that. This is like free counseling. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. Well, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Katie. And have a great rest of your day. Appreciate thanks it. fellowship. What's up, guys? My name is Seth. I am one of the pastors here at Fellowship Memphis, and I'd like to talk to you about another podcast in the Fellowship Podcast Network called Formation. Formation is just a podcast where Pastor Claude and I sit down each week and we explore various avenues of connecting with the Lord. We call these things disciplines or we call these things practices. Uh, they help to form us into Christ likeness. And so a lot of us, when we think of formation, we think prayer or reading the Bible, but Seldom do we actually think of celebration or secrecy or accountability, these things as being part of our formation in Christ. And so each week, Claude and I take a single uh, discipline or practice, and we put that into practice. We describe our experience with that discipline, and then we preview another discipline to try that week. We hope you can come over and check that out on the Fellowship Podcast Network. It's called Formation. You can find it in any of your podcast apps, and we hope this podcast can help you as you continue in your walk with the Lord and exploring all the different ways that God's given us to connect with Him.